missed the tournament. I... Yeah? You jerk. What's your excuse? You missed the germ fest. You should you should tell people like nobody knows you, you you've said tournament. <laughs> it's supposed to be vague and questioning. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, was, so, I work for a nonprofit. There was a golf tournament. We had our annual golf tournament, which is redneck themed, and it's a heck of a lot of fun. Um, and and I'm usually there. there. You're usually, usually there. Am. You usually put in a team. I've I passed. We we created a team together, and then I abandoned you and passed the team off to you, so I could create more teams, so the tournament could grow. And yep. uh, you and your whole team, well, two of your former members put in their own teams this year. So, Oh, yeah? Pete had his own team? No, no. Aaron. But Aaron's no. been putting his own team in for a little while. But Jeremy Yeah, and I'm did. usually just a part Jeremy's of that been now. been playing with you lately. Oh, yeah. He has in the past. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> anyway. But no, Ugh. Pete didn't. I tried to get Pete on my team, but he was also busy. So See... He's and also I wasn't. I, I wasn't gonna make <laughs> the tournament regardless. You know those days where it's like that one day on the calendar that there's like six different things going on, and they all want you to be a part of it, and you yeah. just you can't possibly make all of them. That was that was that was this past Saturday. Was uh, there was a wedding that I was supposed to attend as a guest. Uh-huh. Uh, which was sort of taking precedence over everything else. I don't see um, that, but okay. <laughs> well, I, you know. Um, there was another event that I was supposed to go work at that wanted to hire me to come work for. Right. Uh, which I had to say no to. And there was the golf tournament. And I felt, you know, I was feeling a little crummy about not being able to make the golf tournament and, and, but I was excited for this wedding and, but I had a cold, like I woke up and I was feeling like not a hundred, I was like, ah, like, you know, I had all the clothes out and I, the clothes were ironed and ready to go and I was going to go to this wedding anyways and just kind of suck it up and blah, blah, blah. But then there was someone at the wedding, someone who I knew was going to be at the wedding that was immune compromised. And I, and Brianne said, maybe you should take a COVID test. And I was like, well, it's not COVID, but yeah, I guess at least that way we can tell people like for sure, you know, hey, it's just a cold, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so I was like, sure. And we had some left over from forever ago that turned out were not expired. And we're like, okay, cool. Yeah, whatever. I'll take a COVID test. Uh, I ended up taking two COVID tests just to confirm the results that I got. And both said, you stay at home, pal. You got COVID. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you seem to attract that uh, coof like, like nobody's business. <laughs> so I've had COVID twice now. Yeah. Since you've joined the podcast, just since <laughs> never, you've had it like never, two or th- ne- at least two times prior to that, didn't you? No, no, no. I've only this is only my second time having. COVID. Oh, so you're blaming me? I <laughs> uh, no, I'm not. I'm not suggesting causality. Uh, I am good. just pointing out a correlation, <laughs> a potential correlation. 
Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Movie Man Podcast. The B-Team. That in perfectly good health friend of mine over there is Carl. And sick dog over there is Brady. Yeah. I think I'm on the mend. Yeah. Like, I think compared to last time. Last time I had COVID, I was like... You're a healthy young man, so COVID shouldn't affect you that much. (laughs) No, I know, but last time it, like, knocked me out. Like, last time it was a full seven days, and it was like, uh, yeah. Like, there was was a two-day period last time where I was just running a temperature, but... And, and like coughing nonstop. But what during that time, like if I took a sip of even room temperature water, my whole body would plummet in temperature and I would be f- shivering mm. and like, oh, it was awful. It was like my body forgot how to regulate its own temperature. Crazy. So, but uh, anyways, this is like day three, I think, of COVID. And uh, I think I might be into the, like, just getting all the gunk out of me now stage. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, I, think, I don't. I've never had it. <laughs> no, well, no, but just like when you have a cold, right? When you're like, okay, I don't think I'm actually, like, sick sick anymore, but I'm still congested and I just got to yeah, cough okay. all this stuff out of me. So I think that might be the stage I'm in. Either that or I'm in a lull between stages and <laughs> and the worst is yet to come. But we'll see and, mm. and hopefully not. So, uh, But the Movie Man podcast does not rest for COVID. It does not, does not slow no. down. Well, it does not stop. Only for vacation. <laughs> only for lying on a beach, apparently. So <laughs> screw you. Um, and we told you. We told I told you the other day. I just laid out the analytics. I was like, "Dude, the show does a lot better when you're not on vacation." So, uh, so, so, you know, abandon your family and just do the podcast. <laughs> and you're like, "Okay, I'm sorry." Uh, <laughs> so we're back. We're back for another news episode. A a little bit of like a a a. It's a different different lineup for topics this week. A lot of mm-hmm. some actual comic book nerdy stuff, like what we normally talk about, but a little bit more like movie world logistics and some things that are actually going to impact you as a consumer of media. Um, so I'm excited to jump into this. Carl, are you ready, sir? I am. Do you want to? Do you want to hear about oh, what's yes. happening yeah, in our world sorry, first? That, sorry, it's, before we I jump co- into our fictional worlds COVID that brain. are created for us, <laughs> I got COVID brain. Yeah. COVID brain. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So I got three for you again. I got, I, got, I got three for you again to pick from. Okay. All right. And I, I will tease them in a fun way that is doesn't reveal too much. All right. <clears throat> the The first choice is uh, a real life. Uh, Armageddon movie recreation from the 1998 blockbuster with Bruce Willis. That's choice number one. Uh, cyborgs. The potential for real world cyborgs is choice number two. Like, so cyborgs are like human robot combination, right? Um, yeah. And then the fourth op- th- third option is uh Space travel that is akin to something we've seen in Star Wars. Okay. Um, 
All right. So here's 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 my line of thinking for what I'm going to choose. I think I'm ru- ruling out cyborgs only because I I'm one of those people that like if you have if you have like a prosthetic arm that has like open and close capabilities, I already consider you a cyborg. <laughs> okay. Right. People with like cochlear implants so they can hear better and stuff like, like it, to me, you're already, you're already half man, half machine. Um, so, so I already think we have cyborgs. So I'm going to rule that out. <laughs> um, the next one I'm ruling out, I think is the Armageddon one. Because, and this is going to, like, Carl's going to have a visceral and violent reaction here. Uh, I don't think I've seen Armageddon. <laughs> what? So. Uh, is that the greatest film? But what? Come on. Right. So, um, but space travel is something I'm very interested in. And and something that okay. I'm pro- I'm actually even going to be able to comment on further because i just watched this ridiculous like three hour documentary on the future of space travel like four months ago but i don't know that it has anything necessarily like it doesn't sound similar to what you're talking about um so hit me up talk to me about star wars space travel all right Uh, in in fashion that we have been doing i'll kind of reveal what the other two were so the armageddon one uh there is an asteroid that orbits or comes close to the earth every six years or something like that called Bennu. Uh, And it's like, it's pretty big. If it hit the earth, it'd be the equivalent of 22 atom bombs. And NASA is looking at a way to blow it up because there's a potential it could hit the earth in like 128 years from now. Oh, Oh, I mean, okay. (laughs) So very similar to uh, Armageddon, the movie. I but mean, they're, look, my, they're looking. They're not sending a manned team. They're looking at sending uh, some drone drones type and things. stuff. Yeah. I mean, my thought on that kind of is like, oh, it'll be interesting to watch when that happens, whether yeah. it succeeds or not. But ultimately, if it doesn't succeed, I'll be like, uh, so. But we're still all okay, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. For my, 120 something years, anyway. Yeah, my potential great great grandchildren are kind of boned, but. I don't know. It feels like we'll get another <laughs> shot at it in 128 years with 128 years worth of technological advancements. Yeah. So whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this isn't the first time they've taken a shot at an asteroid in this manner. Uh, they've done, they did it uh, in 2022 as well. Uh, a smaller asteroid as a test. Anyway, uh, the, the, and uh, the cyborg thing, uh, we all, everybody knows, and some like and some hate, Elon Musk. Um, they've developed something called the Neuralink. Have you, have you heard of the Neuralink? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So the, the, I'll just read um, his post, his, his, uh, his ex um, from September, uh, because they've gotten approval for human trials. So the first human patient will soon receive Neuralink. This ultimately has the potential to restore full body movement uh, for those that are disabled. In a long term, Neuralink hopes to to play a role in AI risk civilization risks reductions by improving human to AI and human to human bandwidth by several orders of magnitude. Yeah. Imagine if Stephen Hawking had this. Which is 
yeah. So I don't know. All the time, there's like technological advancements, and you have those naysayers that are like, "Oh, should we really be going down this road? Is this smart? Is it what?" I, and a lot of the time, I'm like, "Shut up!" Like you guys are just worried. You're overthinking things. Like you've watched too many sci-fi movies. Like it's it's fine. Uh, this time. I don't know. Like, yeah. this is this is a big leap into changing what a human even actually is, and like, I don't know. It's 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 scary technology, and I also wonder, like, this whole like it's crazy that it's been approved for human trials. Yeah, and I wonder how much of that has to do with <clears throat> the science that they've proven. And how much of that has to do with it's Elon Musk, yeah. right? The like article if, the article says that it's been approved by non-related. I don't know how. I can't remember the word. I closed the article already. But it's been approved by no people not connected to Musk in any way or whatever. That it's okay to test on humans now. Um. So so people have to sign up to agree that this is the, that they'll be part that of these trials, do right? And like. He's talking about like full body movement, but the the article made it seem like okay, they're they're really just like you were talking about like the robotic hand thing, yeah. And those those hands, from my understanding, are more they they work off of like muscle um, interactions in the yeah, arm, yeah, like your nerves, or and stuff. or the person actually has to pull, touch a button or a lever or something. Um, yeah. And this this the neural link will let them do it through thought. Right. Right. Yeah, like so. um like Stephen Hawking's speech thing was like twitches in his cheek, right? Or like his, like that, his yeah. cheek muscles. Yeah. But yeah, I, I yeah, I don't know. I I'm also kind of hoping that this only really takes off after my time because <laughs> it's cool. It's, it there is some scary stuff to about it. Like, yeah. I, but yeah. it's yeah, I don't know. It's like uh, cyberpunk stuff starting to yeah, because everyone's like, well, what happens when AI takes over? And I'm and like, got okay, an AI chip in your brain. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Computer what happens when brain. AI takes yeah. over? Okay, great. Yeah, that's one thing. What happens when AI takes over and it has access and control over human bodies? Yeah. Anyway, uh, but you picked space travel, so yeah, uh, a. Uh, research project called Breakthrough Sling Star Sorry Breakthrough Starshot uh, has updated their plans and uh, to send a probe to Alpha Centauri, our closest neighboring star system. Which right, we're talking about space here, so close is relative. Alpha Centauri is apparently forty trillion kilometers away from Earth. <laughs> it, it, it's a good hike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it take you a little bit to get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And when you get there, um, there's probably not much there. <laughs> yeah. But uh this this uh space travel system thing that they're creating, uh they're speculating that it could get that they could get this probe there in twenty years. Jeez. Which that's pretty impressive, if you ask it me. Is. I think yeah, I'll send. I'm gonna send you the link to this article here in Facebook. Uh, um, 
but the 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 space travel thing is they're calling it a light sail powered by millions of lasers which if you remember attack of the clones yeah count dooku had like a what they called a solar sailor in star wars sail. and it yep. looks like some of the renderings look really similar very similar um but it's is the the biggest difference is there's not a uh, any kind of thing being dragged behind it like the probe the computer and everything is right inside it and if you scroll down a little further there's actually a little video of of it being of what they're kind of hoping this will act work like and essentially what's happening is there's not lasers on the the probe that are pushing it through space the lasers are on earth so there's like um there there's like a hundred thousand late satellite lasers or something i don't know how many satellites they'll need to make that many lasers but there's lit there's a bunch of satellites on earth that will shoot lasers at the set this sail and propel it through the galaxy and into another galaxy no wait not another galaxy another solar system solar system yeah so yeah that's it's Jeez. crazy and it like the way it flies it, like it starts out being propelled but then in the video it looks like it flattens out and it flies more like a frisbee right once it gets its momentum up because once you get mo once you have momentum in space there's no friction to stop it right so oh I yeah guess, i guess once it start gets going they don't need to put it hit it with lasers anymore i don't know but i was i was watching this documentary that was outlining the next however many years of space travel advancement and basically like what our what the active plan is okay um specifically in terms i think this was in terms of like colonizing other worlds was was kind of the you know like getting people to live on mars um, right. And I think I think Elon was featured probably quite a bit it was several months ago, but I think yeah, he was in this he's, documentary. He's got big plans for Mars. <laughs> for Mars. And yeah. basically it was like, you know, it, it everything starts with a moon base. Yeah. We, we have to have a moon base. Um, and the reason we have to have a moon base is because we need to be able to mine moon resources. Bec and... And the question for the longest time was, wow, how could you do that without there... How can you have people staying on the moon without there being water on the moon? And what they've discovered is one of the more recent discoveries is that, like, in the, the lower craters, the craters that don't ever see sun because of how deep the crater is on the moon, there actually is ice there yeah in the south pole there yeah yes this was this is uh something i got i've gotten a bunch of stuff about this because uh this the the probe that's up there is actually from india yeah yeah there's, a, so, there's a new there's a new space race happening between india china and russia right now to get yeah to the so the, moon. the big thing is you know india, so there's this india ice. won it <laughs> there's this ice and the ice yeah. is made of water and and water is made of hydrogen and oxygen. So if we can get this water and 
split it, then we'll have oxygen for the people living on the moon. Right. And we'll have hydrogen, which is the main component in the fuel that we use for space travel. And so, and then, and then there was this whole thing about like, um, there was this whole thing about building a, a space station colony basically. Yeah. Um, and the re and, and the biggest, the biggest hurdle right now in that is the cost because the largest the largest part of the cost in space travel right now the most expenditure of fuel in space travel is simply just leaving earth's atmosphere is fighting earth's gravity yeah and getting out of the atmosphere so if we can remove that from the equation if we can have something take off from earth but then very shortly after refuel at this space station or whatever, then from there, our ability to, you know, do slingshotting around the moon yeah. and, and whatever else to get people moved to and living on Mars is, you know... But, but this was all like, they're like, in the next 10 years, we'll have people living and yeah. working on the moon. Shortly after that discovery of the water, the ice on the moon, yep. there, I, there was an article came across my feeds that talking about some theories about how it, how it got there. That's, that's pretty interesting too. Uh, cause the theory is, oh, there's, yeah. a the- there's a theory about it. It's not, it's not from the moon. The moon didn't, doesn't have any source of water. The theory is it got, came from earth somehow. I, uh, there's science behind it that I don't remember, but it was pretty interesting that this somehow water from earth ended up on the moon. <laughs> Well, and there's been it's theories for years cool. that like that at one point the moon did have an atmosphere is one theory. There's a theory that it's water that is for the longest time. There was a theory and uh, maybe this is still a theory. If you look at, I don't know if it's Mars or something. Um, one of the planets have like sort of a, a not quite circular shape, right? Okay. Like it's it's mostly circular, but it kind of dips in a little bit on the one side and kind of kind of bulges out on the opposite side a little bit. And so there was a theory for the longest time. I remember this back when I was in like public school that the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs was actually like that a massive asteroid had hit, I think it was Mars, or had hit one of these planets and had like hit with such force that it like lodged itself into the center of it, broke a chunk off the other side, at the same time destroying that planet's atmosphere and depleting Mars or whatever of all its water, but that sent a chunk of Mars hurtling towards the Earth and what hit the Earth and actually killed all the dinosaurs was a chunk of this other planet. But mm. I don't it's you know you talking about space travel in the yeah. solar system, you got theories for days. But well especially when it comes to the past. Oh yeah. 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 So cool. I look forward to it. I look forward to visiting an, another solar system. Yeah, and 
Yeah. <laughs> Especially when <laughs> we fail to destroy this comet that's going to hit the Earth. Yeah. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and if, because if, if movies have taught me anything, when we fail to destroy this comet that's going to hit the Earth and the comet hits the Earth, it'll happen somewhere in the United States. Oh, definitely. Always. Or just going to happen in North America. <laughs> yeah, or just offshore. It, and it'll kill kill all of us. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, because cool. we're so important. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, speaking right, let's, of movies. Let's, let's get, get into news. our news for today. Now, for a long time, there has been digital movie options. You can stream your movies, or you can buy digital copies of your movies. Kind of, sort of, buy digital copies of your movies. In some cases, buying a digital copy of your movie depends on where you buy that movie from, right? Some services, you can buy a copy of the movie, and then you just have a file, and that file is yours, and, and there's your movie. More often than not, though, you buy a digital copy of a movie and it's like, okay, and then you have to log into the service that you bought it from in order to watch it. Yeah. And they don't let you download a copy of it because they want to... Then you can share it. Yeah, they basically want to prevent you from just sharing it around, right? It's a a pirating um, safeguard. And so for many people, and not just in movies, but video games, for many people... Owning a physical disc, owning the physical media has still been an important thing to them, especially because a lot of these digital buying options or digital watching options have been pretty slow in terms of also including all your behind the scenes bonus features that you would also get when you bought a DVD or a Blu-ray right? A great example being my extended edition of Lord of the Rings has like 30 hours. The The Lord of the Rings extended edition appendices, which is just like hours and hours and hours and hours of not only like behind the scenes of how they made Lord of the Rings, but I've heard many people talk about how you can watch like the behind the scenes of Lord of the Rings is essentially film school. Like you can watch that and learn a lot of the things that you need to learn about how to make a movie. Like it's, mm. it's really, truly incredible. Um, so a lot of people are still physical media collectors. They like the way it looks on the shelf. Sometimes there's steel books, there's collector's boxes, there's, you know, whatever. And we've been predicting for a long time and talking for a long time about how we know that someday that era is going to come to an end. A little while back, about a year or so ago, Samsung, the largest producer at the time of Blu-ray players, came out and said, that's it. We're not going to make any more blue. We're we're getting out of the Blu-ray player game. We're not going to do it anymore. And everyone was like, "Uh, "Okay, this is the next. Like, this is this is the first sign. One of the seals have been broken." (laughs) But nobody really panicked because everyone who needed a Blu-ray player had a Blu-ray player, or you can still, you know, there's a thousand other brands that are still making them. Well, 
It has now come out that Target, a store that is no longer existent in Canada, was briefly. Very briefly. <laughs> very briefly. And Canada was like, no, we don't want your red Walmart. Take it back. Um, but it's still going strong in the States, has now come out and said that they are stopping the sales of DVDs, Blu-rays, and CDs in their stores. Yep. Sounds about right. Uh, it's, it's happening. It's, it, it is now upon us. And listen, I don't really collect physical media anymore. I haven't for a long time. Probably about five, six years since yeah. I bought my last DVD or Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, or video game, physically. Or video game. Yeah. But it is, there is something a little bit sad about this in the sense that digital film, like, or films purchasable digitally have not gone the way that I think a lot of us sort of believed it was going to go. In that you could, for the longest time, um, track down, and you still can, you can track down some pretty old, rare, classic, deep cut, indie, cult, whatever films on physical media. Yeah. <clears throat> right? And if you have your copy of Ernest Goes to Jail or, you know, whatever it is, then you have that copy and it's sitting on your shelf and, and that's yours. And as long as you treat it well, it, it will always be there. It's not always so easy to find a digital copy of some of the films you want to watch. Yeah. Or and even more difficult to find where to stream it. <laughs> exactly. Right. And so this, this weird thing I think is going to happen where because we sort of believed, okay, everything's going digital, which means these films will live somewhere on a hard drive in perpetuity and they'll always be there. And this will be amazing because the access to films is just going to be greater and grander than it's ever been. And it hasn't been that. It hasn't been that. And furthermore, yeah, it's, stuff can it's, drop off of streaming services. Stuff yeah. drops off of streaming services all the time, well, and then it's and just it's, gone. Yeah, and it's not like like it was like, or it's on a different streaming service. Like it's not all in one place. Exactly. And yeah. what happens when like one of these services where you have to, you know, you've bought a digital copy of this and you have to log in. Like, let's say, like, let's say you, Apple. Carl, I know <laughs> for the longest time that you rented a lot of your movies through the Xbox store for a Still while. Still do. Yeah. Still do. And I know you can also go on and purchase movies that way, right? A lot of people do. You purchase seasons of TV yeah. shows, you purchase uh, movies. So what yep. happens? I and I mean, this is... You. Yeah. This is a weird example because it's X by Microsoft, right? Like, this is a bigger example and probably less likely to happen. But what happens if you, let's say you had 200 movies that you've purchased, your whole collection at this point is just through Xbox. 
and then tomorrow Xbox folds. Oh yeah, yeah. It crumbles. What happens to all the stuff that you own? It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> yeah. So do you really own it, you or don't. are you just paying no. to have access to it? Yeah. Same with the digital well, even, games. <laughs> even if it doesn't fold, even if like. I mentioned Apple. The same thing can be done said with Apple or where anyway. Anyway, but like if even if I if I decide uh, I'm done with Microsoft, I'm going to be an Apple user and <laughs> right. Yeah, I just <laughs> uh, threw I'm up done a with Microsoft, my mouth, but... uh, and so I I ditch my Xbox. I I pick up a Nintendo. Yeah, I don't mind that. That's not that wouldn't be bad. But then I ditch my Samsung and I because I, I don't and I pick it. Yeah, anything I've bought for the Xbox, anything I bought. Yeah, it's not it's, it's not mine anymore. Yeah, well, yeah. it's still mine. It never it's was out there somewhere, but I don't have access to it anymore. You don't have access to it. And there's something interesting, like when it comes to streaming services, it. It's funny how, like, take take Netflix, for example. There are properties on Netflix, properties that Netflix is license, licensing, right, um, that could disappear at any moment. And there's this, there's this really bizarre dynamic where if, like, Netflix is constantly wanting to drop a lot of the content that they have because if your it, it, Netflix has to pay, they have to pay to license this content to put it on their service, yeah. right? And if a piece of content on their service is not bringing in new subscribers, then it's not making them any money. <sighs> Right, it's, yeah. even if a lot of people are watching it, if it's not bringing in new subscribers, it's not making them any money. And yeah. now with they, new they deals, they probably do and, look at retention, like numbers, like numbers that but, people but, are watching it for retention. But yeah, re, but, you're, but retention isn't making money. It's not new money coming no. in. Yeah, and in fact, now with things like residuals coming into streaming. Every time Carl clicks on Mean Girls to watch Mean Girls, it's actually costing Netflix. Because now every time someone watches that, Netflix has to pay out. Because they're airing, they're streaming, someone's watching a piece of work where residuals are due to those who were involved and, and were in it and helped make it a thing. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, it's this kind of weird wild, wild west now without, like, uh, look, I have no intention of going out and stocking up on, on my favorite <laughs> movies. Yeah. But I also do have, like, I have a, like, I still have a, a healthy collection. Yep. And I have no intention from, from of. Back when you did buy and you needed to buy and yeah. Yeah. And, and I have no intention of getting <clears throat> rid of any of them either. I'm not I'm not in a hurry to be like, well, it's all going to be digital now, so what's the point in having this? No, no. No, 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 no. No, I will be keeping everything that I have because some of the stuff in that collection again is 
some yeah. rare stuff. Yeah. But yeah. And we're talking like we're talking about movies right now, but like the same thing's been happening to video games for the last five to ten years. Like I used to yeah. work at an E B games and 98% of the store was video games or vi- or, or uh, console peripherals, controllers and things like that. And now yeah. you walk into an EB games, pop figures maybe and it's 50% video games and peripherals. And oh, the rest is like that. board games and stuffies and action figures and <laughs> action figures and collectibles yeah. and yeah. Mugs and like, yeah, the, the, any disked media is is going the way of the dodo be, because of digital media. Well, and part of the issue with EB Games is that their prices are so jacked still on on used games, right? <clears throat> like you try to you try to trade in a game and they give you peanuts for it. Yeah. And then they try to sell it for way more than it's worth. Yeah, you're right? better selling it, that stuff on your own. <laughs> every time I go into an EB Games and I look yeah. look at the used used game stuff, I'm like, I'm pretty sure, like this is a used disc, and I'm pretty sure it's like five dollars cheaper on the Xbox Store. Yeah, <laughs> like this you, is yeah. Well, the sales on the Xbox Store get pretty ridiculous. Oh yeah, fifty, sixty percent off a year or two after the game's release. Just seventy, eighty percent if it's like the Black Friday or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, it looks like physical media is coming to an end quickly, Mm -hmm. which is a beautiful segue. I know you like the segues. Yeah, segues. Sometimes I wish we did more of them. Good segues. A beautiful segue segue into our second topic, which is Netflix. And this is something that's going to surprise the listener in many cases, uh, because the listener is going to be sitting there going, wait, that's that was still a thing? Netflix has officially shipped their final DVD in the Netflix DVD rental service. Now, some super young people listening are going to go, wait, what? Because to them, Netflix has always just been a streaming service. No, no. Netflix started out with little red envelopes that they would send through the mail. You would subscribe. I think there was a couple of different subscription levels you could be at. And depending on the level you were at, that was how many discs you could get at a time. Um, and, and yeah, you would basically, you'd go on the website and you'd ha- there'd be a queue right? You'd put movies into your queue and, you know, let's say you were subscribed to the highest tier, then they would send you the top three movies from your queue and they would come in the mail in an envelope and you would watch them and you'd put them back in the same red envelope and you'd send them back. And then as soon as you sent those three back, they would send you the next three in your queue. And this was like, you know, even before everyone's like, oh, well, streaming was the death of Blockbuster and video rental stores. This this was the beginning of that for sure. Yeah. This was the beginning of the death of going to the store and picking out what you wanted to watch. Um, did you ever, were you ever a Netflix DVD in the mail? Uh, I was not, but I was I'm cl- I was close friends with a few people who were, so I'd seen them and understand. Yeah, what about G- Gamefly? You remember Gamefly? No, I never did Gamefly either. 
which was basically the same thing. It was just yeah. for games. They would just yeah. mail you the game. But it's still been going on for Netflix up until last week when Netflix said, nope, okay, we're done. And not only did they say, hey, we're done, they said, look, any movies that you have, any discs that you have right now, just keep them. Like, <laughs> don't bother sending them back. We do want them. in many cases, because now Netflix has this, this library of discs, if you opted into, I guess there was some thing you could opt into for whatever, um, and and if you did so, then they are now going to send you or have sent you like eight to ten discs of movies that were in your queue. <laughs> They're just giving them away. Well, That's yeah. Funny. What are they going to do with them? <laughs> So it's a good day to be a, a Netflix disc <laughs> subscriber because yeah. um, you're getting some stuff. But yeah, it's, I mean, this one, this one feels less like. This is less of a hit to the, <laughs> this, this, this seems, it, it's kind of in line with our last topic, but um, it's more. Uh, in line with just Netflix in general and that the fact that they're focusing solely on streaming and where they're focused. Well, yeah, it, it feels like, I mean, it, it's certainly the end of an era. Yeah. It is the end of an era for Netflix. It is an, the end of an era for, uh, the film world. But also, like I said, the end of an era that many people didn't realize was still even Happening. an era, <laughs> right? Yeah. This is interesting. Did you you sent the article, so I assume this must have got uh, you kind of perked your interest. You went ooh when you saw it. That the the article says the first DVD that was Beetlejuice shipped was Beetlejuice in '98. Yeah, yep. that, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and I mean, you being as a big it should be Beetlejuice fan, yeah. As it should be. So, but yeah, it's uh, it's a little sad, but also it's 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 not sad in the sense that it affects most of us, but just sad in the sense that yeah, it's it's one more sign of the times that that you know, gone are those days, and uh, and and they're not coming back. Yeah. Anytime. Speaking soon. of end of days. Another segue. (laughs) Okay, you're just moving on. All right. Um, So there's a there's a situation in Hollywood the last little while, uh, which has been strikes. Started out with the writer strike, which swiftly turned into an actor strike, which really put the, the the brakes on in Hollywood. Right, the writer strike was was irritating and and a bit of an inconvenience for productions the the actor strike just would put a halt on everything you could tell that the the photo at the top of this headline i'm just gonna jump in here real quick you could tell they're writers because they got little soft hands they've got duct tape on their strike sticks <laughs> wow holding the wood is too 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 abrasive let's put duct tape I mean, on all the sides <laughs> i mean if you're gonna do that day in and day out 
You don't think you'd want a softer handle? I'd be fine with a wooden handle, I think. For I mean, days and days on end, eight hours days. a day for days on end? I don't know, man. Anyways, <laughs> the writer's strike. Bunch of wusses. <laughs> the strike that started it all has come to an end. After oh, 146 yay. days. Yeah, that's uh that's quite a few days. That's a big strike. Yeah. It is the second longest strike in Hollywood history. That's it's, it's, it's all, it was a big deal, man. Uh it has now come to an end. They have reached an agreement and the writers are going back to work. The writers are actually now back to work. Now, it's a little bittersweet because the writers are now back to work writing for shows that still cannot shoot because, well, we don't have any actors. Um, but it is like the, the machine is starting to turn again. We can um, bring in and, scabs. And once the, once the actors are back, we'll be ready to go in full steam. So I'm just, let's just read through here what exactly this agreement they've reached says. Following the leadership's vote to end the strike and recommend the membership ratify the contract, the WGA released details of the new agreement via a simplified uh, memor memorandum, I always struggle with that word, of agreement, or an MOA. Uh, we can say with great pride that this deal is exceptional with meaningful gains and the protections for writers in every sector of the membership they announced. The exact language of the contract is yet to be released, but the WGA summary, but from the WGA summary, it appears the union was successful in its effort. The MOA includes increases to minimum wage and compensation, increased pension and health fund rates, improvements to terms for length of employment and the size of writing teams, which had been shrinking drastically in recent years, and better residuals, which are like royalties, including foreign streaming residuals. The MOA also lays out terms for artificial intelligence, with an agreement that doesn't prevent writers or productions from making use of generative AI, but prohibits using software to reduce or eliminate writers and their pay. A writer can choose to use AI when performing writing services if the company consents and provided that the writer follows applicable company policies, but the company can't require the writer to use AI software, for example, ChatGPT, when performing writing services. Um, which also basically covers... so. Basically, what that means is a writer can write a script, write a bunch of dialogue, and then have AI go through and make it more concise or clean it up a bit or suggest better ways that this could be communicated or more interesting ways that this could be communicated. But A... A studio can't require a writer to use AI, right? Okay. And therefore, shortening the amount of time that the writer is working and then needing to pay them less. And a studio also cannot make a script 
simply using AI. They can't be like, well, we don't need writers because we're just going to get ChatGPT to write this. So basically, it works out in the favor of the writers that, hey, this is a tool at your disposal if you choose to use it. No one can make you use it, and it cannot replace you. Which is... Seems, seems valid. <laughs> that's one of the big things they were after. The other big thing that they were after, obviously, was the residuals, right? In terms and like... And that's the other... That's one of the big debates right now in the actor strike, right? Is, okay, the landscape has changed again. Now we're dealing with streaming. And we have not set up a proper structure for how we're going to get paid every time our something we were in was streamed the same way that we would have got paid every time, you know, the show we were in aired on TV. Right. Uh, so Carl, what are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts specifically on the AI component of this and also residuals? What are your thoughts on actors and writers getting residuals for streaming? <laughs> now that the landscape has changed and streaming is the the predominant consumption of media? Um, <clears throat> well, the AI stuff, like, yeah, that, all that, like, what they're... They shouldn't be forced to use AI. And... I don't... I don't know if I don't... Like if a, if a studio wants to use AI instead of a writer, I don't I don't know if that's a horrible thing. I mean, they're they're out they're out, somebody's not getting a job, but I mean, if you're a a good writer, you're gonna probably be able to write better than AI, hopefully, <laughs> potentially. But I mean, hopefully. at the same time, AI is getting pretty is getting better and better every every day because. It's AI. It's kind of it's it's how it works to it's kind learning. of learn and get better, right? Yeah. Like the first AI images we got, necks and arms and the posture of people in terms they of were goofy. AI art were like very obvious that, okay, that, that forearm is longer than the other one. This is AI art. This is obvious, right? But it's getting like now it's, it's almost indistinguishable. It's really good. And it, yep. it's only been, it hasn't even been a year, I don't think, since the first AI arts kind of started hitting the scene. It has it? Like, it was like just this past winter. It hasn't been long. Yeah. <clears throat> so, on one hand, I can see the artist being like, no, they, like, this is our job. You, you should be hiring us. But on the other hand, you know, like, a company should be able to choose how it, how it does business so yeah that's a slippery it feels a little bit of a strong arm from the writers and and to 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 force studios to hire them but um at the same time i they do i think there is a bit of a point made there um the reason why that seems like a slippery slope to me is then what if you're dealing with an animated project where you also like AI text to voice is also getting spooky good. And it won't be long before you decide, yeah, we don't need any voice actors. Yeah. Right? We're just going to have AI do it. We'll just put the script into AI and generate it 
you know, yeah. 20 times and pick the ones we like the best. Chop that together. And there's like, there's, there's a potential we'll end up there eventually anyway. Right. Like, if well, you and think, that's what these strikes if you are about. Think, if you think about like where a lot of our ideas for, for future tech kind of come, come from or are borrowed from, they're, they're usually borrowed from things like Star Trek and Star Wars. And then those kind of push us in, in those kind of directions to see if science will, will allow us to go that way. Um, and what is the hollow deck if not an AI generated thing based around, uh, a made up or known property? But here's the thing though. Do you not think that, and maybe this is like, this will certainly be an individual taste thing and, and what, what the consumption of media means to each individual person. But to me, if I was watching an animated feature and I knew that it was written by a computer and all the voices that I was hearing were just generated by a computer, I think I would lose, like, that, that would lose meaning to me as a piece of art. Right? Like, I, I would know. just like, go, okay, if it's now an animated, I'm just... I don't know. I, now I'm just being fed by the machine. Now yeah. I'm just consuming because, like, it, it, it becomes very, like, yeah. the humans living on that space station in WALL-E type of thing, where I'm right. like, humanity and civilization has lost all whatever, and this is just... Right. There's no humanity in it anymore. It's just no, it's by just machine, right? No, it's just content for the yeah, sake and of that's, content. That, I think that would be a good counterpoint and argument to the whole, to it, for sure. Yeah. But I definitely think that you're, we're going to eventually get products that are purely computer-made with no... And with, it'll, where it'll, the, human, the human input is just the same thing you need to do, make like a chat GPT thing. Like you yeah. give the computer parameters, just essentially just like, like, like I made the hollow deck reference, the hollow, like uh, how, how much of a Trekkie are you? How much do I have to explain this? <laughs> uh, like 0.2%. Uh, that's how much of a Trekkie you are. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah, I know nothing. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm not a huge Trekkie, but I've watched a number of shows. So from my recollection of how a holodeck work is, is they walk up to the door of the holodeck. They, at, and at the computer, they, they input essentially like what they want the holodeck to create Uh holodeck create uh, the story of Huck Finn, where I play Huck. And then they walk in and, the story starts unfolding and they can play it however they want. And the hollow deck will react around their actions. Uh, essentially AI uh, art, <laughs> right? Like it's using a real world property, but as soon as you do something that that character wouldn't do, the whole program starts shifting and doing something different based on your own choices. Um, so like, I, I can see some products in the, in the, probably not the near future. I'd say maybe in the next 20 years though, where we'll, we'll probably get something that's, that is, you know, like the, the person who made it just was like, I want a, a female lead and a male protagonist and 
I want it to be sci-fi and I want, uh, but I don't want space travel. Uh, and I want, you know what I mean? Like they're just going to yeah. put in parameters and then the AI will make it and it will be put out to the world to view and enjoy or shred to pieces. <laughs> and and ultimately, I think that'll come down to what agreements are in place and whether or not that's something they're allowed to do. Yeah, but I, no, right. I think it'll happen. It, it'll happen anyway, because all those agreements they only pertain to Hollywood. We still have India, Bollywood, China puts out stuff. Like, there's lot. Like, there are oh, a lot sure. of other places that can make this content that don't give a crap about this whole writer strike and, and no, for sure, guild strike. But it will see less widespread like consumption than obviously North American markets and potentially. Uh, like that, right? I don't know. Like, have you like dove into the darks of Netflix? There's a lot of stuff from Bollywood in there. No, but but it, it, like you 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 just said it right there because that content requires delving deep. Yeah, but something like that will create <laughs> enough stir people will search for it. Sure, but that but, doesn't mean uh, it'll be good and they'll anyway, like it and want to watch uh, it. But what yeah. was the other there was another question there. That was uh, uh just uh, the residuals, whether or not actors oh, residuals. should be you actors and I think that should be, should be contract residuals. to contract. I think it's ridiculous to demand residuals for everybody. Like if right. you're like yeah, if you're a good enough writer, then then you're going to get residuals. If you're not, then you're going to be contract to contract, and I think that's that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I don't think everybody cool. should immediately get residuals. All right, moving on to something a little sad. Actor Michael Gambon has passed away at 82 years old. So a full life. A long life, but sometimes now, like we were talking about the age of Michael Caine and stuff like that last week and, and how old, like he's 90, 90, right? Um, Dick Van Dyke is 97 and still like goes to the gym and works out and dances and does all this, like Dick Van Dyke's the new Betty White. Um, <laughs> but so in some, in some ways you hear 82 and it's like, okay, he lived a good life. He was old, stuff like that. But 82 nowadays also kind of feels a little like, ah, feels a little young. (laughs) It feels like, you know, he could have had another good 10 years there. But I just want to go briefly through um, Michael Gambon's career. Um, Obviously, the most people are going to know him as the replacement of Richard Harris as Dumbledore in the Harry Potter series. Um, Not my favorite Dumbledore. I still really, I think the softness and gentleness and, and kind of elusive aspect of Richard Harris's Dumbledore to me uh, was something I enjoyed more, but I do understand that I think Michael Gambins was probably a little bit more book accurate anyways. Mm. Um, so I don't know either way. I think the first thing I ever saw Michael Gambin in was the Robin Williams movie Toys. Have you seen Toys? I have, yeah. Yeah, he plays the uh, the g- army lieutenant, the general 
that is uh okay trying to militarize the toys militarizing all the toys yeah. and and making life chaotic for everyone he's kind of the antagonist of of that movie i guess weird yeah. movie like yeah i like it lot. but anyone i've ever shown it, it to um, it's very stylized it. yes yeah but anyone I've ever shown that movie to, they're like, to ah, I don't like it. But it's got like, Jamie Foxx is in that movie, man. Jamie Foxx is in it. Joan Cusack. Like, it's not a, it's not a, a you know, little indie whatever. Hello, like, cool J. Robin Williams, man. Um, yeah. Yeah, LL Cool J is in it. Blake Clark is in it. So, I, I don't know. I like toys. Screw everyone else. Um, I liked it. Yeah, I'm with you. And then he's he, he's been in a, a smattering of other things. He was in the second um, Kingsman movie. He took over for Michael Caine's character when Michael Caine's character turned out to be the big baddie. Surprise. Spoilers of the first Kingsman. <laughs> uh, he did a voice in the wildly, inexplicably successful Paddington movies. Um and uh, and yeah, just a bunch of little other uh, not little films, but a bunch of more. I mean, he was a he was a British, he, he's an Irish actor, um, and he was in a lot of British films. So things that maybe our audiences have not been as exposed to. Um, but is there a standout role for you? Like when you think of Michael Gambon as an actor, what what role do you think yeah. of? He was he he did some voice work for an Elder Scrolls game for Morrowind. That's yep. cool. Oh man, yeah, he's got a he's got a like a laundry list of great work here. Yeah, man, uh, it'd be hard to pick. I think I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, some say so a lot of these like Book of Eli. I feel like yeah. thinking about that movie, he must have been the older gentleman at the end that was transcribing the, the Bible so. as Eli was re, uh, uh, saying it. Um, so, like that, he's got a role in that, but it's not a big role, even no. though it's an important, important one, but not an a big important one. one. Yeah, um, but man, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, yeah, like in terms of a predominant role. I would say that, yeah, like Dumbledore, like the, the Harry Potter films that he was in, I guess would be the most predominant for, for it, that I've. Yeah. And you certainly wouldn't role. be alone in saying that. Um, like that became his most iconic sort of, yeah. you know, financially successful. Just scrolling through. There's a lot here. <laughs> Yeah, Book of Eli. Um, the Omen. There's a lot of people in the Morrowind game, eh? Pardon? In the Morrowind game? There's a lot of people. They, yeah, they Tim get a Curry lot. Tim Curry was yeah. in it. Yeah. Like, that's... that's so, they bring in some... Quite a cast. He was in Sleepy Hollow. So... Yeah. Yeah, very sad. Um, but yeah, incredible, incredible collection of work um, that he'll be remembered for. So yeah, 
There's not much else to say. It's just mm-hmm. whenever someone big and iconic passes away in Hollywood, I like to include it in uh, in the show notes because, you know, it seems a little weird to to just not mention it or pretend it hasn't happened. So, all right, moving on to a topic that I think Carl shall be interested and excited for. Indeed. Marvel. Have you heard of Marvel? No, never. Um, Who is it? I think they're the, they do like, uh, like Green Lantern, Batman. Oh, uh, is that who does those? Aquaman. I think, I think so. <laughs> Maybe Howard the Duck. Oh, Maybe. they do Howard the Duck. I love Howard the Duck. He's my favoriteest pa- of all time. Power Rangers. <laughs> Uh, not Beetleborgs. Beetleborgs is too good for for Marvel. Um, <laughs> uh, no, just, so Marvel. Something we've been talking about it, literally ever since. Something every fan has been talking about ever since Marvel acquired Fox was obviously Fantastic Four. Obviously, what was going to happen with Deadpool. But the X-Men. The X-Men has been on everyone's minds. When is it coming? Who's going to be in it? What story are they going to do? How are they going to make sense of mutants? How are they going to introduce mutants or explain the existence of mutants within the MCU? Have they always been there? If so, where have they been? Or is it going to be something new that happens? They, they just get introduced. And if so, maybe that makes a little more sense in a timeline standpoint, but also does that devalue the rich history of mutants and what the battle and struggle is and what, like, there's so many questions. How are they yeah. going to handle this? What are they going to do? My big theory back during Multiverse of Madness, was that we were going to get a House of M storyline. Right? That at one point in the past, Wanda had said, no more mutants. And they all just disappeared. And then she was going to bring them all back. And Multiverse of Madness was where they were going to get reintroduced. Obviously, that didn't happen. Which is fine. Is it? (laughs) They did kind of get reintroduced a little bit with Professor X. (laughs) But I mean, we get Professor X. He he died like a chump. Yeah. Well, that was a different. Yeah, it was a different universes. <laughs> different universe as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But Marvel is now officially looking for writers. The time has come. We're uh, moving on this. All right. Let's throw our hat into the ring, Brady. Well, I'm just going to use AI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, i'm just gonna use apparently ai you to can my script the writer can yeah. choose to do so um <laughs> yeah uh, interesting question for you i mean obviously they could get any anybody to write this right like it, the, the sky's the limit there's so many different writers out there um the question i want to pose for you is of the pre-existing MCU properties. What Marvel film do you look at and say, ooh, 
get whoever wrote that. Whoever wrote mm. that should come write the X-Men. Uh, I think... Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> it'd either have to be... Um, Winter Soldier, or I, I guess it's yeah, Winter. Yeah, Soldier. because of the, because of the political writing. Well, just no, just the yeah, well, the political writing, but just like it was just a super well written script, screenplay. Like it had, I think it had good pacing. It like we talked about this last week, right? Like how Marvel films are just like bang, 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 like just super fast paced. That one had some, some pretty decent kind of lulls where they did some character development, like, and uh, character work and dramatic scenes and, and kind of like you were saying, like political scenes, um, were kind of fleshed out the story without needing somebody getting punched in the face. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and, and the movie still felt like it moved well and, and the, just, just told it was just a really well told story. Um, and, uh, but I think outside of that, the only other ones I could think of would be the guardians of the galaxies. But I mean, you're not going to get that writer anymore. He's he no. gone. <laughs> he gone. He's got, yeah, more you're not going to get James Gunn. <laughs> Unless he like, did anybody help him write those? Uh, I mean, I, I don't, you get people credited, obviously like Stanley and Jack Kirby in those. Um, but no, I think, I think the majority of the writing on, on those was, uh, was James Gunn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are, there are four other names past his that I'm not familiar with that wrote the screenplay but his comes first so he'd probably be the most predominant yeah for me i think for me i think you get and and this may even be a name that's attached to some of the guardians movies i think you get jim starlin so jim starlin is a he's a comic book nerd um, okay, yeah, he did help with some of the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff. Um, he also has a writing credit on Infinity War. He has a writing credit for What If. He has a writing credit for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. He has a writing credit for Thor Love and Thunder. But the reason why... Oh, okay, so Interesting. Who is, so he is, why does he have a writing credit on those? Oh, you ready for this? Uh, listening. He is the creator. So maybe you don't get this guy. I mean, he's going to get a writing credit no matter what you do. So this guy, um, 
Jim Starlin. Apparently, he was a big up at uh, at Marvel. So Jim Starlin is credited on the Guardians of the Galaxy films because he is the creator of Drax and Gamora. Oh yeah, there you go. He's create he's credited in Shang Chi because he is the creator of Shang Chi. He's credited in Infinity War, not only because he's the creator of Gamora and Drax. He's the creator of Thanos. Co-creator, yeah. I'm reading yeah. his wiki now, yeah. That's a, that's a big deal. So I don't know who yeah. you get. He I don't know who you get. He also revamped Captain Marvel and Adam Warlock for the current comic book age. I mean, there are enough comic book, there are enough MCU films back in the day. Like, I want to get back to basics, and I think you need to get back to basics because I want... X-Men to get off on the right foot here. I don't think you could get Joss Whedon back. But if you could, I think I think that would be a really sweet way to go. Joss Whedon having written the first Avengers, he wrote uh, yeah. Age of Ultron. Mm. Joss Whedon could be a really great way to go. Yeah. But then I think I, I like Joss Whedon. I would. Every, everyone got soured to Joss Whedon when he went over and directed the redirected, edited, changed up Justice League. Yeah. After Zack Snyder's departure. So I don't know. I don't know. But are you excited to hear that the the wheels are moving, the gears yeah, are turning? It's, it's pretty exciting. It'd be interesting X-Men to see coming. how they introduce them because of the you know like. <laughs> It's a very well-established universe now, and for it'd be weird to just like poof all of a sudden there's uh, there's um, mutants everywhere, just like for some whatever reason snap there's mutants because one of the things that makes the struggle for the mutants kind of interesting is that. They've been around for a, a long time in the like, like um, um, with Magneto being a mutant during the Holocaust, like that. Yeah. That shapes who Magneto is as an antagonist. Now, right? Like they've, so, so they've I, been around for a long time, man. but also, well, so here's the thing: you could not. Ha- They've been around for a long time, but because of the struggle, for the most part, they've been around keeping to themselves, hiding in the shadows. Right? Like, Xavier's school is a very, it's not a public advertised, hey, this is where all the mutants go to school. No, but in in the universe that has been created... Like, it would it would feel weird for them to just start appearing and then use use the logic that says that you're that you're kind of presenting, saying, "Hey, we're we're coming out of the out of the shadows, but we've been here the whole time." And it's like, yeah, what? Where? Yeah, I don't. I don't no, think no. they could be there the no, whole no, no, time. No, 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 because and obviously the Holocaust like, storyline is not because like 
mute mutants in the in the in the Marvel universe in the comic book universe. Not they're not all Jean Grey, Scott Summers, or, or no. should I use cycle? You know, like they're not all like human look. Like you've got like night crawlers and you know beast. like the, who can't beast. They can't hide their mutation. Like yeah. these, it, it would be very odd. Like the way we didn't get a lot of like uh, normal people reacting to all of a sudden they're being super powered people in the world um, through throughout the MCU so far. But when we do get those little tidbits of it, th- there's kind of like a, oh, whoa, this is new and crazy, right? Like unexpected and unbelievable. Like if mutants were part of this war, this universe for a long period of time while we've traveled through it and never seen them, it would not be so shocking to see Thor. (laughs) Yeah. No, true. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, obviously, obviously the Holocaust storyline is out. Our, our Magneto will not have lived through the Holocaust. Which would be very, yeah, which is very disappointing. <laughs> like, how just do you, based on, how based do you on shape, a timeline standpoint. Yeah, but how, which just, like, how do you, how do you shape that character without that crucial moment? Uh, I mean, you just shift it, right? You, you find some other, some other Holocaust. <laughs> well, no, it was some other, you know, you make them not Jewish and you, like i don't know you, you I, I don't do know. something that's, else to me that's intrinsic to who he is and the decisions he makes right but there's no way he'd be 90 in no i no i'm not i'm not disagreeing with you yeah but i am i'm like it'd be hard in my mind it would be hard to rewrite that character and do him any justice without that backstory yeah Right, because it it shapes his distrust for humanity, and why oh, for sure. and why he feels like even though it's like he even though his viewpoint is essentially the exact least exact same as as Hitler's in in that uh, the Aryan race was superior and he views mutant races superior like but but it it's just yeah it's just intrinsic to his character in my opinion so I, it would yeah. be damn near impossible to do him justice without that well they're gonna have to get creative i guess i don't yeah or just leave him on the cutting room floor which would also be a Uh, huge yeah i don't know how you do the x-men without magneto yeah yeah like there there are there are other antagonists but like he's he's usually the big one yeah (laughs) all right moving on to our final topic james gunn which we were just recently talking about Segway um, is uh, is giving us a little more details and sort of doubling down and confirming some details about his upcoming DCU. Some things that we've been wondering because we we didn't know. Is this a soft reboot? Is it a hard reboot? Is it not a reboot? What is happening? Who who is continuing on? Who is not continuing on? So, what we've discovered from the we've discovered three things recently from the mouth of James Gunn. Number one, James Gunn says 
big news regarding the DCU is coming. He hasn't said what that is, but big news is coming soon. My guess is it's it's a Batman casting. Because I don't, like, what other big news is everyone waiting for right now? Right? So I think we're going to find out who Batman is mm. sooner than later. <coughs> Excuse me. One cough with COVID during the whole episode is not, that's, that's a good track record. I'm happy about that. The second thing we've discovered is which actors that currently exist in our DCEU are going to still exist playing the same characters moving forward. Number one, Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle is not changing. The actor that we just had in the Blue Beetle film is going to be the actor playing Blue Beetle moving forward. Number two, obviously, John Cena is going to play Peacemaker moving forward. We knew that there was a second season of Peacemaker somewhere in the pipeline. So that's not super surprising. And number three, and the least surprising, obviously, is that Viola Davis is playing Amanda Waller. We knew that. <laughs> yeah. Somehow she just traverses the multiverse as Amanda Waller. She's Amanda Waller everywhere. Interestingly, though, and this is the part that confirms, is this a hard reboot, a soft reboot, not a reboot? What is going on? And it also plays a little bit of an impact on the actors that we just mentioned. James Gunn has said, prior to Creature Commandos, which is the first project that's coming out under James Gunn's new DCU, the animated film, or TV series, I guess, coming out. Prior to that, nothing is canon. So it is a hard reboot. Which means, season one of Peacemaker is not canon. It means that although John Cena is playing Peacemaker, it's not the same Peacemaker. Although Viola Davis is still playing Amanda Waller, it's not the same Amanda Waller. Probably very similar, but not the exact same Amanda Waller. The things that we've seen Amanda Waller say and do up until that point are irrelevant. They're not canon. Most interestingly, I think, is the Blue Beetle one. The actor that we just had playing Blue Beetle is still going to be Blue Beetle moving forward, but that Blue Beetle film that just came out is not canon. It doesn't count. He's a different Blue Beetle. Probably, I would guess, they're going to change his outfit. Like, they're going to make him look different. Huh. Right? I think you would do that, and you would do that as well with, with Peacemaker, which is why I think Peacemaker, when Peacemaker Season 2 comes out, I don't think it'll be Peacemaker Season 2. I think they're going to do the same thing that they're doing with the Daredevil series, right? Where it will be Peacemaker, and then with, like, a subtitle underneath it. Right? It won't be Peacemaker Season 2. It'll right. be a, a new Peacemaker yeah. series. Right. right, acknowledging that 
the event the events in the first season, like what they're doing with Daredevil. They're like, okay, same actor, slightly different Daredevil. The Netflix thing doesn't count. So maybe I'm not giving other people enough credit. Like I, I've, I, I, some, some I've said it before. Said before, I think, in on this podcast. Anyway, it's my, my personal opinion that um, studios need to give people more credit when it comes to some stuff. Like I think we, I think I talked about it when we were first talking about what we're hoping for this DCU. Where where I was saying like just just act like these people have always been here and jump right in the story. Don't give me a, don't give us a, our origin story. Um, give, give the viewer the benefit of the doubt that they know what the hell's going on and they'll just understand it. Well, maybe nothing I'm, here says maybe that I'm these not, are what be I'm origins. about to say, maybe what I'm about to say, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going against my own, um, judgment, but, doesn't this feel messy? Like people are going to get confused and not understand. I don't think so. Like, like to me. So like in this thing, yeah, he, he talks like some actors will, this is James Gunn quote from this article that are, you didn't give me an article. So I just Google searched what the title you gave in the show notes. But he, he says, yes, some actors will be playing characters they've played in other stories, and some plot points might be consistent with plot points from dozens of other films and shows and animated projects. Um, but nothing is canon until CC and Legacy, which is Creature Commandos and Superman. Um, yeah. But, like, we just got Blue Beetle, and we get a Blue Beetle another a couple of years a new blue beetle a few years from now a new blue beetle feature film same actor different costume that those two things don't tell me it's a different universe because batman is always in a different costume even if he's in the same universe if it's the same story from from movie to movie like christian bale didn't wear the same bat uniform throughout the the whole series it, it always evolved and changed. So that, that doesn't tell me as a viewer, if I'm not, if I'm not following the news, if I'm not up to this, that doesn't tell me that this is a different universe. No, but if I were, think they'll do it, enough. Like the fact that it's a different suit, that everybody else is different. I don't know. I, and yeah, but that, that just, I don't know for me, that's like, if I'm not a comic book nerd, which I don't know why I'm going to see Blue Beetle if I'm not. <laughs> right. Um, but if I watched the first one, I was like, oh, hey, this is a cool character I've never heard of before. This is fun. And then a few years later, I go down and sit down and it's same character, a little bit different uniform, but like nothing from the first film is, is acknowledged in any way somehow for whatever reason, or even if it is acknowledged, but like there's apparently some weird differences you know what I mean? Like, if they veer from the, the the story of the first Blue Beetle film somehow, because they didn't like the way it was written, or they 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 didn't like the way the character developed that way, so they kind of just like cut it because this is the new Blue Beetle, and they're not the same Blue Beetle; they're different. Right. That would be jarring, in my opinion, if it's obvious. 
so, so here's here, here's I the get, counter argument. This is this is where I think I'm not giving the viewer enough, like the the I'm Credit. not treating the viewer as being intelligent enough to understand what the hell's going on. I think here's it, here's the counter argument. I can't argument. not think that way. I think Judy Dench. What about her? <laughs> Judy Dench was M in the Pierce Brosnan James Bond films. Right. And they brought her back as M in the Daniel Craig James Bond films, even though the Daniel Craig James Bond films yeah, were clearly a hard reboot. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody so nobody had an issue with that. Nobody was confused. Yeah. It was just like, oh, it you know, there she is. Yeah. Makes so, sense. And, You're bringing her back. This is what I'm saying. This is where I'm I'm probably like I'm reading the story and reading James Gunn's quotes here, and I feel like this is gonna be super confusing for people that aren't aren't in the know or or, or absorb the content the way I do. Yeah. But yeah, at the same th- time there, like I, f- I, I kind of, I'm, I think I'm seeing my own bias. Yeah. And, and th- realizing that, okay, no, pe- pe- people aren't stupid. They're, they're going to figure it out. I think if you were to, I mean, and the same thing happened with like people were able to wrap their head around, okay, this J.K. Simmons is not the same J. Jonah. Yeah. Right. But I think, I think, I think it'd be a different story if we were talking about like, it's this, you know, it's still Ben Affleck as Batman, but it's not the same Batman. I think that yeah. would be problematic. I think yeah. the fact that you have characters like Amanda Waller. The, the, I think the biggest kind of counterpoint to yours, and I don't think this still doesn't hold water. I think I'm, I'm like, I've already talked myself out of believing <laughs> that it's going to be a problem. <laughs> so like, we're just arguing semantics here essentially, but like the, the arguments that you're using are all side characters. They're not, they're not based they're side characters. They're, yeah. They're not, they're not on the, about the ca- main character themselves. So I don't know. Yeah. It's just, and I think a lot just, of people don't yeah. even like, if you're just a <clears throat> casual if you're a casual DC viewer, uh, there's a good chance that you still don't even fully understand who Amanda Waller is, and so you don't really care. Yeah. Right? And and then there's a good chance you didn't go see Blue Beetle. Yeah. There's a good chance you didn't watch Pacemaker. Or yeah. Pe- Pacemaker. Like, <laughs> Peacemaker. One of the big rumors is that Gal Gadot will be coming back as Wonder Woman. And I, And I don't believe it. I don't I think would, she would. I don't know. There's, mm, I don't know. That, well, this why, why not include that in your announcement here? In, if you're sitting here trying to clear things up, well, as James I mean, Gunn. In the article I've brought up, James Gunn has, there's a quote here that says, it's very human drive to want to understand everything all the time, but it's okay to be confused on what's happening with DC since no one has any, has seen No one's seen anything yet. yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just like in kind of the the same like I was using Blue Beetle as a kind of benchmark for the confusion. Like Wonder Woman's been around for a lot of stuff, and if Gal Gadot gets to play her again, that I think you you have more more opportunity for confusion than you do with Blue Beetle because she's been in more stuff. 
Um, yeah, I think that would create confusion. But yeah, I don't know. This article has a little section here that uh, two two a one sentence paragraph that uh, says that uh, the DCU act the DCU EU actress Gal Gadot was recently quoted as saying she was told by James Gunn and Peter Safran that they are gonna develop a Wonder Woman three together. Yeah, and I think that's I think so. That's a quote from Gadot, but yeah, I, I mean, which yeah, I don't know. I still think that may have been her misreading. What I think, I think that may have been James Gunn saying we definitely want to work with you again in the future, and her reading into that, and you know. Drawing her own conclusions and then... If her quoting them is going to develop Wonder Woman 3 together, if she's she's not uh, misquoting them, then... uh, But I I think she is misquoting them. Like, I don't think that's actually what they said to her. Wow. But we'll we'll see. We don't know. Nobody knows. We don't know. Nobody knows. We're still as confused and lost as we were six months ago about the DCU. Yeah. And in the words of James Gunn, that's okay. No, it's not. I want to know. All right. Well, that's everything. That's all I got. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or X, all listed below. Check out our Patreon page for as little as a dollar a month. You can support the show, and you get some fun stuff in return. And we have merch. We don't have pillowcases. Why are, why we don't. don't we have pillowcases? I don't know. What if people want to Don't we have actual pillows though? On, uh, I think there is a pillow. Yeah. There's a pillow. But that's like a throw pillow. You don't go to bed with a throw pillow. You have a nap with a throw pillow. I suppose. That's not We're movie men. That's all there's time for. You don't have time for an actual good night of sleep. We just take naps when and where we can. I sleep <laughs> oh. like a normal person. Oh, I don't even know what that means. It's oh, been that's years. You keep getting COVID. <laughs> that's true. That's so true. Uh-huh.